This is a special edition of Let's Talk Cuyahoga, the State of the County Address. Here's County Executive Armand Budish. A great poet, intellectual, and philosopher once said, they said it couldn't be done, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. That quote is from the great Casey Stengel. This will be my last State of the County speech, but I want to come at this a little differently than my past speeches. I'm very proud of all we've done working together, from economic growth to criminal justice and human services reform, and the list of our accomplishments is both broad and deep. I'll include more in our final written report, but because I believe that every state of the county should end on the same day it begins, I'll focus on just five major steps we've taken to improve the lives of our residents and to lay the foundation for an even more exciting future for Northeast Ohio. The five items I've selected are all things we were told couldn't be done, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. The five subjects are one, getting us safely and successfully through the pandemic, two, giving our kids a great start in life, three, creating and retaining thousands of jobs, Four, creating a more equitable justice system. And five, ensuring we'll have basketball and baseball to entertain us for many years to come, all while putting the county government in the best financial position we have ever been in. First, let's start with the biggest crisis in our lifetimes, the COVID pandemic. After immediately starting up the Emergency Operations Center to coordinate the region's pandemic response, we next turned to PPE, personal protective equipment. Nurses, first responders, jail officers, teachers, hospitals, and many others needed PPE, masks, sanitizers, gloves, and other safety items. We were constantly being told there was nothing available and we should just wait until the federal stockpile opened up. But we couldn't wait, not while so many people were getting sick and dying. So we went out, tracked down, and collected and distributed more PPE than any other county our size in the country, nearly 27 million items. And it's a good thing we didn't wait for the federal government because it was months before the stockpile opened up. And when it did, there wasn't much there. Our actions saved lives. They said it couldn't be done, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Prisoners in jails and prisons around the country were dying of COVID at a horrific rate. We were being told there was nothing we could do to avoid that here. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. We worked with the judges, prosecutors, the sheriff, and county staff to cut our jail population in half. We then set up screening protocols in isolation and quarantine areas in the jail. And remarkably, in two and a half years, only one prisoner in our jail died of COVID, far less than the general population and much, much less than in other jails and prisons. The COVID crisis also highlighted the critical importance of connectivity to the internet. As schools shut down, kids had to go online for education. As businesses shut down, people had to have access to the internet to find and apply for jobs. 
Cuyahoga County was among the worst connected regions in the country. It was my goal to take us from worst to first. They said that couldn't be done, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. We recently announced a partnership with Governor DeWine and the state of Ohio to make affordable high-speed internet available to the least connected areas in the Cleveland suburbs. And the city of Cleveland's making plans to cover Cleveland residents from one of the worst to one of the best. Second, let's talk about our kids. The best way to give children a great start in life is with a high-quality pre-kindergarten education starting at age three or four. When I came into office, we had an excellent pre-K program in place, serving about 2,000 kids a year. That was good, but it wasn't enough. I wanted to double the number of kids in our pre-K program, but we were told it couldn't be done. We didn't have the money in our budget to serve double the number of children. So I worked with Paul Clark, then president of PNC Bank, to raise money from private and philanthropic sources. We also received support from the Plain Dealer and Ideastream, and we did it. Together, we more than doubled the capacity of the program, raised the number of families getting a scholarship, and have made the program sustainable. Now, before they can get to preschool, our kids must survive. And in Cuyahoga County, that was not such a sure thing. In 2015, the infant mortality rate was 10.4% per 1,000 live births, the second worst of all counties in Ohio. In a county with the best medical care in the world, that was shameful. We knew we had to do better. They said it couldn't be done, that prior efforts to reduce infant mortality had failed. But the county partnered with the city of Cleveland and then city council president Kevin Kelly, and with our hospitals, nonprofits, foundations, faith leaders, and community-based healthcare providers to create and fund First Year Cleveland. And it's been working. By December 2020, the infant mortality rate in the county had dropped by almost 30% to 7.5%, a huge improvement and the lowest annual rate in county history. Third is jobs. Now, during my first campaign for executive, I promised that my priorities were jobs, jobs, jobs. It's because jobs can solve lots of social problems. I set out to add or retain 10,000 jobs. They said it couldn't be done, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Most new jobs come from small neighborhood businesses. So we invested nearly $5.5 million in over 650 small businesses. The majority of those small businesses were owned by minorities and or females. We have retained and added 20,000 jobs, more than double our goal. Our biggest success was keeping Sherwin-Williams and its 3,500 jobs here, along with a pledge to bring 400 more. We also retained and attracted big companies like Dealer Tire, ABB, and Redwood Living, real estate projects like the Lumen, the Beacon, the Centennial, Centrovia 25, Snavely West 25th, and the Mickey's Building, and other businesses like IBM Watson, Seven Signal Solutions, Fabtech, USA Insulation, King Nut, Saucy Brew Works, Sterogenics, Fatheads Brewery, Charter Steel, Fairmont Central, Gojo, and Project Boren Cold Storage. 
And that's not counting the 1,800 new good-paying jobs that the new electric vehicle assembly plant at the Ford plant in Lorraine. Many of those jobs are expected to go to Cuyahoga County residents. So what do all these investments mean? Residents' household income increased more than 14% from 2015 to 2020. The county's GDP, gross domestic product, ranks 31st among 3,100 counties nationally and is larger than the GDP of 13 states. And our property values are going up. When I came into office in 2015, Brent Larkin wrote in his Plain Dealer column that plummeting property values created an unprecedented catastrophe for the county, which would wreak havoc on schools and local communities. He noted that Cuyahoga property values declined by $4 billion. He was not optimistic that we could fix it. But you know, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Through a combination of an intense program to eliminate blighted properties, significant new community investments, and a focus on jobs to put people to work, I'm pleased to say that as I leave office, property values have increased by more than $7 billion, or 34% from 2016 to 2021. Fourth is creating a more equitable justice system. Jails and prisons around the nation have become a dumping ground for people with mental illness and addiction problems, mostly people who are poor and minorities. That's just wrong. We wanted to divert low-level, nonviolent offenders out of the criminal justice system into treatment programs in the community that could return them to productivity without a criminal record. We were told it couldn't be done, but we created the first county diversion center in the state of Ohio. Police are being trained to identify nonviolent offenders suffering from mental health and addiction issues and to bring them to the diversion center. There, they're stabilized, treated, and then moved into longer-term community treatment. Well, it won't happen overnight. The culture is changing, and it will happen. Despite our best efforts, sometimes people will slip through and be booked into the jail. We wanted to help those nonviolent, low-level offenders who could benefit more by quickly being referred to the diversion center or other appropriate community mental health or addiction treatment programs outside of the jail setting. So we're working with judges, prosecutors, pretrial services, defense counsel, and others to create a central booking program Judges and attorneys will quickly see a person who's been charged within a day or so rather than several days or a week. If appropriate, a person may be released promptly to the diversion center or other community treatment services. Fifth, we've ensured that county residents will be able to continue enjoying our own baseball and basketball teams for years to come. Our sports teams provide entertainment to our residents and a source of pride for all. Remember the championship parade in 2016? And don't forget, they bring taxes and jobs. Both the Cavs and the Guardians' leases came due, and they both wanted significant upgrades to the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and the Progressive Field. Only if we provided those upgrades would the team stay and sign new leases. We are the smallest city in the nation with professional basketball, baseball, and football teams and the price tags for upgrades would be high. 
In Buffalo, for example, the state and county are paying $850 million to keep just the football team in town. We were told keeping the teams here couldn't be done. But you know, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. The county led the way with the city of Cleveland to provide the resources to provide the requested improvements. By doing that, we were able to lock in leases for the Cavs and Guardians for the next 15 years. And we did it without breaking the bank. In fact, even after getting us through the pandemic, doubling the number of kids in high quality pre-K, investing in retaining and adding thousands of jobs, creating a diversion center, providing resources to keep the Cavs and Guardians in town, and so much more, we are in great financial shape. At the outset of my term, the county faced some serious financial issues, which were accompanied by the state slashing taxes to us of $50 million per year, and a pandemic which shut down our county's businesses, further severely cutting our tax revenue. We aimed to put our county back in a strong financial position, but they said it couldn't be done. I'm very proud to say that as I leave office, the county is in the best financial position we've ever been in. Now I'll repeat that. We're in the best financial position we've ever been in. Through careful management and budgeting, and with help from the federal and state government, we will leave reserve funds of more than $200 million, more than ever, and almost twice the mandated reserve. The bond rating services, Moody's and Standard & Poor's, have recognized our prudent management and sound financial position. And we recently received not one, not two, but three of the highest budget and finance awards from the Government Finance Officers Association, which is, it's the preeminent budget and finance evaluation organization. Our excellent fiscal results are achieved through a group effort. I want to thank Mike Chambers, our Chief Fiscal Officer. Walter Parfi-Awitz, our Director of the Office of Budget and Management, and their excellent staffs. And County Council, too. They deserve major credit. They're led by President Purnell Jones, Jr., Finance and Budget Chair Dale Miller, Chief of Staff Joe Nani, and Budget Director Trevor McAleer. They review, advise, and revise the budget all year long. As I conclude my last State of the County report, I want to emphasize that I just picked out five accomplishments that they said couldn't be done. For a fuller discussion of many more major projects we've accomplished to improve residents' lives, go to CuyahogaCounty.us. I'll close as I began with a quote from Casey Stengel. Never make predictions, especially about the future. Well, with apologies to Casey, I predict the county will continue to make great things happen in the coming years. Thank you. You've been listening to County Executive Armin Budish and his final State of the County Address. Let's Talk Cuyahoga is a podcast that explores Cuyahoga County initiatives and the people who make them happen. It's produced by the Cuyahoga County Multimedia and Communications teams. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. If you have comments or questions about this podcast or maybe a topic you'd like us to take on in a future episode, please email communications at cuyahogacounty.us. Let's talk Cuyahoga.